This is the art of charm. Learn everything you need to know to crush it in business, love, and life. The art of charm is where ordinary guys become extraordinary men. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm Jordan Harbinger. The Art of Charm brings together the best coaches in the industry to teach you guys how to crush it in life, love, and at work. Imagine having a mix of experienced mentors teaching you their expertise, packing decades of research, testing, and tough lessons into a concise curriculum. We've created one of the premier men's lifestyle programs available anywhere, and it's free. This is the show we wish we had a decade ago. Now, this show is about you, and we're here to help you become the best man you can be in every area of your life. Make sure to stay up to date with everything going on here and get some free ebooks and drills and exercises that'll help you become more charismatic and confident by signing up for the newsletter at theartofcharm.com. If you're new to the show but you wanna know more about what we teach here at The Art of Charm, listen to The Art of Charm Toolbox at theartofcharmpodcast.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of dating and attraction such as body language, eye contact, vocal tonality, including some episodes on breakups and relationship management. That's where all the basics are, so get a handle on that first. We've got boot camps running every single month here in Hollywood, California. Details on those at theartofcharm.com. Looking forward to meeting all you guys here at AOC. All right, guys, here with James Fell, syndicated fitness columnist for Ask Men and even Time Magazine now. We're gonna talk about cutting through the alpha male bullshit and the bro slash foe concept of what is quote unquote alpha, why it is the opposite of the type of advice men should be listening to, how to stay true to your own personality when you're developing yourself personally like we do here at The Art of Charm, and how to face fears and achieve goals in the face of adversity. I know that sounds cliche, but we're really gonna talk about running towards the fear. We're gonna talk about the real way to build confidence and how to know when to reevaluate your goals and decide how to pivot if necessary, and last but definitely not least, when to listen to other people and when to ignore them when it comes to your long-term goals and ambitions. So enjoy this one with James Fell here at The Art of Charm. And you're a syndicated columnist. I'm gonna let you tell us the rest so that we don't download the whole CV here. Well, my blog is at sixpackabs.com, but I've also got another website, bodyforwife.com, that lists all of my published work, which there's a number of different columns that I write. I've got a syndicated column for the Chicago Tribune that runs in a whole bunch of different newspapers called In Your Face Fitness. I also interview celebrities about their fitness regimens for the LA Times. I'm the senior fitness columnist for askmen.com. And I recently just started a writing gig for Time Magazine. So you've got a lot of free time on your hands. Yeah, I do consider the 10 or so hours a week I spend working out as part of my job. There you go, all right. And, and sixpackabs.com, and you must get email literally every day like, hey, I'll buy this from you for $500. Yeah, actually, I'm surprised that that doesn't actually happen. It, I, it is a high value URL that I'm in a partnership with where you know I own half of it in exchange for the sweat equity and I have a silent partner. But we don't get that kind of request, interestingly. And it's not like a real bro site or anything like that. Half of our readers are female. That's interesting. It's funny that you say it's not real bro, because that's kind of one of the myths I want to bust here on the show, is talking about there's a lot of bro science books coming out. Honestly, I hate the concept of this alpha male gorilla guy who walks around, the guy who used to be bullied and now walks around being like, hey, get my soda over here, or whatever, you know, that's a terrible example. But, you know, the guy who, like, looks around and is all tough, walks around with his arms out, silent and brooding, and just not a friendly, cool person. It's so not alpha, because it's clearly just a manifestation of a billion little insecurities rolled into one. It's the, In fact, guys like that are the opposite of alpha in so many ways, and yet a lot of guys are looking around and they're going, I gotta be alpha, so they... They do weird things like offend people, and then when someone's like, hey, I think you owe me an apology, they're like, oh my God, never apologize, it's unalpha. So they treat their friends like crap, they treat their girlfriends like crap, they treat their family like crap, they treat their clients like crap, and then when their life turns out to still be crap or be even worse than it was before they tried to go all faux alpha, they, they wonder what's wrong, and then they start blaming whoever else, right? It's just this like really losing proposition that I've seen propagated in a lot of a lot of media, especially, not really on the sites that you write for, but sometimes too. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Ask Men has had alpha male stuff written for them. And it's something that I've had a bug up my ass about it for a long time, that it's just one of those things that instantly offended me. And it goes even deeper where a lot of the people that are pushing the alpha male messaging, what you just described, they will say, oh, well, that's not alpha. Alpha is a gentleman and a leader and all that kind of stuff. But it's putting lipstick on a pig because you can describe it and pretty it up any way that you want to try and describe alpha as this ideal, strong, gentlemanly male, however you like to pretty it up. But at the end of the day, you have to look at the way guys are going to interpret it. And what it does is it implies dominance. Yes, exactly. And they like to simplify the hell out of things. So if you're not an alpha, you're a beta. And you take these young, insecure guys who are going to be compelled by this alpha male messaging to begin with. And it doesn't matter how fanciful you make the term or how well you describe it or communicate it. You're starting off at a major disadvantage because of the packaging that it's coming in. And all they're going to walk away from is the type of stuff that you described. In a lot of ways, the whole alpha male thing is just an excuse for being an asshole. Yes. It goes even beyond that. My issue with it is that, well, first of all, it's based on bad science. I mean, there is no such thing as an alpha wolf. That has been debunked. So they're basing it on the wolf pack mentality and how there's some kind of male leader who's the toughest and sexiest and whatever, whatever. Actual real wolf researchers said, ah, that doesn't actually happen. And then the other part is, should we really be modeling our behavior over animals? Right. It's, it's, I can imagine all these wolf researchers being like, that's not actually how it works. And all these marketers (laughs) and like tough guys being like, shh, it sounds cool. Yeah. My biggest issue with this whole alpha male thing is that it has a tendency to kill a man's innate personality by trying to make him into something he's not which doesn't mean that self-improvement isn't a good thing. I've been working on self-improvement for a long time, and I'm, I'm much happier being the man I am now at 46 years old than I was at 26 years old. I think I've accomplished a lot that I'm proud of, and, and I'm a big fan of doing things that take your innate personality and enhance and improve them. But trying to transform someone into an alpha male is like it's a complete okay well let's just take everything who you are and junk it and mold you into this preconceived notion about what we think a man should be you know what about the the nerdy science geek who stares through a microscope all day long because he's looking for a cure to some terrible disease or something like that that's not alpha bro (laughs) yeah you know he could do more for the betterment of humanity than any rock star or football star or, you know, heavily tattooed Jersey Shore douche, but he's not alpha because he's short and pudgy and has a high IQ and a PhD. And, you know, it's just... He doesn't gym tan laundry or whatever those guys do, right? I I hear you. I think it makes perfect sense because you sort of touched on earlier as a core concept of the art of charm, which is that this whole process whether or not you want to call it becoming alpha or, or we don't call it that, but where we're going with this, it's a subtractive process. It's not an additive process. And what we mean by that is we're taking away layers of insecurities, self-doubt, things that might be personality quirks or nervous habits that betray an inner lack of confidence. We're trying to help you get to your natural authentic confidence that was there before you thought, oh, glasses aren't cool or oh, I'm not allowed to have pale skin or a mole on my face. Before you figured that stuff out, labeled it with some sort of social definition, you didn't care about it, and you were fine. You were a child. You ran around playing with your friends. You didn't have social hierarchy so much at that age, and that's really healthy socially. And We've seen that we develop these things over time and that they're not necessarily good for us. Now, when I think a lot of these guys are saying, hey, become alpha, they're saying add muscles, add fake tan, add bad attitude, add negative feelings towards people that remind you of your former self, namely weaker folks and uh, people who don't have as much going on in their life. They don't, it's, it's a lot harder to teach somebody to be compassionate for other folks or to actually lead people in a healthy way, regardless of whether or not they make you look cool or feel good about yourself. That's much more of an attractive trait, but it's harder to teach that than to say, hey, take this supplement and spray this on and you'll look alpha. 
Well, and another thing that like it is a marketing gimmick. It's used to sell energy drinks and tap out t-shirts and stuff like yeah. that. One of the things that comes in the whole alpha male messaging is you got to be confident. You know, you need to walk in and own the room as the leader of blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, confidence is not something that can be faked. That if you automatically decide that, well, I have to be an alpha male. No, you're not going to be an alpha male. You're just going to be an asshole. Yes. Because it's a pretend facade that you try and put out to the world that in order to actually come across as a confident person, it's not about acting confident. It's about being confident. And how you gain confidence is through years of freaking toil of getting good at a variety of different things that scared the crap out of you. I've done national television appearances and presentations to huge groups of people that, you know, still make me kind of nervous, still make me want to crap my pants a bit. But 20 years ago, I did my first big presentation as a, a TA in university. I was doing a graduate degree and I had to present to a couple of hundred first year university students for about 75 minutes. And I was pissing myself with fear the entire time. And I walked out of there not thinking, I don't ever want to do that again. I walked out of there thinking, wow, I really need to get better at that. Right. So I spent two decades working on my public speaking experience and embracing every opportunity to get up in front of a room full of people and talk. And, you know, I'm on the radio every week. And that was something that I chased down. Any chance there is for me to get on TV, I go for it. And yeah, okay, it's still scary because these are scary things to do. But now the fact that I've done all of these things so many times, that's just one thing that I've done that has built my confidence. Being able to you know, qualify for the Boston Marathon, that's something else that I did that took several months of brutally hard training, that knowing that you have what it takes to persevere at something exceptionally challenging that you had to work at for months or even years, that just, it's like the force, Luke. It flows through you where you don't even have to think about it. This bullshit alpha male stuff is if you have to pretend to be confident, think about being confident, you're not. Well, of course. The difference in that is, of course, building that self-trust is you build that when times are tough. You build that when you accomplish goals. You build that when you go through hell and back. That's why military training encompasses a lot of that. And that's why things like heavy-duty breakups, getting fired from your job can be real, I hate using this word so much, James, watershed moments in a guy's life. They're character building, but they also show you what you're made of. If you get fired and you crawl into a hole and you cry about it and you can't get out and you go back and live with your parents, that's a problem. If you get fired and you go, oh man, I have to go live with my parents, but I'm gonna work my ass off to make sure I get out of there as soon as I can, or I'm gonna do everything I can not to move back in with my parents, whatever you have to do, that builds a level of self-trust where then if you start a business and you don't get the deal you were hoping for, you don't go, oh, well, I've gotta move back in with my parents. You go, you know what, I've been through this crap before. I think it's okay to cry for a day or two. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that happened to me uh, a couple of years back, actually that I was just building up my base as a, as a fitness writer. And I'd been writing for the LA Times and was having a great time doing it. Then the LA Times went through a major overhaul and they cut my column. And I was like, oh, this is, the world is coming to an end for a day or two. And then I started working on, well, how am I going to deal with this? And within a very short period of time, we went to the Chicago Tribune, which was the flagship paper for Tribune newspaper saying, oh, well, we love your column. We're going to pick it up and we're going to syndicate it in all of our other papers. And then the LA Times came back and said, yeah, we're not doing your in-your-face fitness anymore, but we've got these, uh, we want to start doing these celebrity interviews and we think you do good, do well at that. So it was something where in just a matter of a month, it went from horrible to so much better because I didn't crawl into a hole and want to want to cry. I actually worked at jumping on any opportunity that came my way. It makes a lot of sense that you would run towards the danger. The other thing, we have a lot of special forces guys that come through our training programs here at AOC in Los Angeles and wherever else. And one of the things that like SEALs and Green Berets are always saying is that you never rise to the level of your expectations, but you always default to the level of your training when when the shit hits the fan. 
And so what that means is all these faux alpha guys, you know, these tough guys walking around, stepping on people's toes and bumping into people, those are the guys that usually collapse into panic the second that anything real goes wrong that's outside of their control. And the confident guy could be a guy who's very quiet and doesn't feel the need to showcase. Those are the guys that keep their calm under fire. Because I heard somebody say this a long time ago, and it really stuck. Cool people are really only calm and quiet and sitting in the corner acting tough when the shit really hits the fan and when things get really tough. That's when cool people are calm and collected. Normally, they're outgoing and friendly. The alpha guys who are always brooding and quiet or loud and obnoxious, those guys, when it hits the fan, they very seldom keep their composure. Usually, they're in freakout mode because it's all a veneer, and that veneer peels off really quickly under intense stress or even non-intense stress. Yeah, it's kind of funny that sometimes I actually do freak out a little bit over because I'm a high-energy, high-stress kind of guy some of the time. So I do have a tendency to freak out for 30 seconds over little things. Mm -hmm. And quite often, it's my wife that comes and smacks me. Yeah, sure, sure. I would just chill out and I go, yeah, you're right, sorry. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I stress over a lot of little things. And then my girlfriend says, hey, calm down and eat this. And then all is right with the world. Yeah, it's funny. I freak out over the little things. Exactly. It's kind of like... Oh my God, you're losing, you know, your Wall Street market is tanking and you might not have another lawyer job? No problem. It'll all be okay. What do you mean there's no more everything bagels? No! You know, that's yeah. that's more like it. That's me too. Yeah, we're out of peanut butter. And the store is closed, son of a bitch. Yeah, exactly. We are on the same page there. I think, you know, this toxic information about masculinity is is sort of, I hate using the word epidemic because it's all cliche and overused, The fact that it's so widespread sucks, but what's worse is it seems to be almost the only alternative that guys have. If they're not getting what they want in their life, they're like, oh, well, there's this book about becoming alpha or this show or this program or this ebook or whatever it is that I can buy for 87 bucks about becoming an alpha dog. I'm going to get that and then I'm going to get girls and my job will be better and my friend's circle will be better. And it's really toxic because it it's sort of like you said, take this pill and everything will be okay method versus, hey, you've got years of working on yourself in order to get confident and stay that way versus become alpha, go work out for a month, get a six pack and then no one will fuck with you, right? Yeah, I have run into this time and again in the fitness industry, like with trying to sell a book, a weight loss book that we ended up selling to Random House. But the book starts with a rejection letter from a major publishing firm talking about how this editor at a major publishing house is talking about how much she loves my writing, how sane and level-headed the approach is, and you know it's all very science-based. And then she says, because of that, I don't think it's a very saleable diet program. I just, I laughed aloud. And people wonder why they can't lose weight. It's because they want some fancy, quick, easy miracle gimmick. And the whole thing about alpha male is the same thing. If you tell people what they want to hear, they're going to buy it. If you tell them that there's a quick and easy weight loss solution, they will buy it. You know, caveman diet, blood type diet, doesn't matter if it actually works. It's the optimism bias where people will just get a dopamine rush by dialing that 1-800 number, filling out that, you know, their credit card information online, that thinking that, you know, if I pay this $50, it's going to solve all of my problems for me. And with Alpha Male, it's this quick fix mentality that I can read this pickup artist book or whatever, and I could be having sex with a woman who's a nine tonight. Right. This weird trick will have you banging supermodels every week. Yeah, they don't want to hear that self-improvement is a long, painful, and sometimes boring process that still isn't going to get you the life of your dreams. You know, you're not going to be driving a Ferrari, banging supermodels, and have a billion trillion dollars in your own private, you know, space shuttle or anything like that. Life doesn't work that way. The way life works is a lot of hard work and a lot of ambition and persistence can get you a good and sometimes great life, which is way better than the false promises that gets you the square root of bugger all. All right, back to the show. Yeah, I think the problem, especially with the alpha male crap, is a lot of smart people are echoing it because it's effective and the other dangerous sort of canary here is that it it can work a lot on smart men as well because the smarter you are often the more insecure you are about that because 
us smart guys growing up didn't fit in with a lot of the jockey American culture. You're up in Canada. It's probably pretty similar. So it it doesn't mean that we were like beaten up all the time in school or anything. I, I wasn't, but I certainly wasn't the coolest guy in school. And it would have been really easy for me to look at this alpha stuff. And it was years and years ago to look at it and go, ah, that was my problem. I'm too nice because I am nice and I am smart. So I go, oh, something, something, dot, 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 science says be strong and be a dick and you'll get more. So I got really strong. I became this ginormous bodybuilder, way out of proportion, really strong, didn't work on my personality, was even less friendly than I was before because I felt like that's what tough guys at the gym were doing. And then guess what? Even less, even fewer friends and more people laughing behind my back about it. It had the opposite effect. I wouldn't say that I was beaten up, but I was definitely emotionally antagonized and bullied and not a very popular guy in junior high school. It kind of started to change a bit in high school. But for me, it was meeting just an amazing woman when I was 21 and wanting to become worthy of her. Like a lot of it just rubbed off. She graduated top of her class from med school. And I just, I was so impressed by everything that she did. and couldn't believe how lucky I was to be with her that that was where my quest for self-improvement came from, was wanting to be worthy of this woman that I've been with for 25 years now. And realizing that it was a slow and steady process. But with the, the whole alpha male messaging, some of the people that are out there who are perpetuating it, are very successful people. They're very smart. They're risk takers who have made a lot of money and have great physiques and good writing and good public speaking and all that kind of stuff. They're saying that, hey, you can be just like me if you follow these different steps. But the thing that they fail to realize is that everybody is different. And just because you were able to be a bodybuilding millionaire with a smoking hot wife doesn't mean that's going to work for everyone else. And people need to figure out their own path and find their own way. And there are certain truisms in order to being your best self, but alpha male ain't it. Wow. Yeah. I think that's very, I think that's very true. Um, the other thing is I want to call something out here and you may disagree with me on this. Finding your wife at such a young age and having her see in you what you did not necessarily yet see in yourself, there was a large element of chance slash luck in that, and damn good fortune. Yeah, a lot of good fortune for sure. Um, but I mean, I did have to earn her love as well. Like I was starting to get my act together by the age of 21 a bit. Otherwise, she never would have given me the time of day. I think part of it was that I was a nice guy, and that was what she liked the most. The thing that I lacked was ambition and success because of being with her that seeing how ambitious and successful she was and she was only 18 at the time and her school success really started to rub off and I went from flunking out of university to excelling and ended up getting a couple of master's degrees. And that's amazing. I just, kudos to you, but I just want to make sure that guys aren't like, great, so I'm going to find a woman who's going to be, you know, an inspiration and I'm going to want to be worthy of her, dot, 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 all my shit's going to get together. I don't have to do anything right now, but just keep my eyes peeled. That's what I want to avoid. Yeah, that's not the message that we want to send out there. That was just the way it happened to work out for me. I think that you can flip it around and say that because, I mean, personally, I think that for a lot of young guys, sex is a tremendously motivating force. And I mean, this is what the pickup artists prey upon. Yes. That you're going to be banging a different supermodel every night. And I wrote a very popular piece for Good Men Project called um, How to Find and Keep a Girlfriend, which was the anti-pickup artist approach, which is instead of trying to find, you know, a different girl every night, why not just find one who's really awesome and be with her for a long time and grow together? So I think that one of these things about self-improvement is realizing that if you are currently single, that all of these approaches towards self-improvement are going to dramatically improve your likelihood of finding someone for you that really is going to be good for you and that you're going to love being with. Yeah, there's a lot to that. And of course, the, the pickup artist stuff, there's a history of that on the show from 10 years ago or eight years ago when we started. That stuff was originally designed for guys who felt unworthy to be a little bit manipulative and get what they want. 
And now most of the guys who originally started with that are either totally screwed up beyond repair or, you know, happily married and over a lot of this crap. So there's a lot of red flags here because a lot of that sort of PUA pickup artist stuff has combined with some of the new bro science to make these really awful modern men that are, (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't even say men. They're like man children with a man mask on. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's the difference between a man and an adult human male. So how do we become more of a strong leader and become more of a, there's no term for it now because we've thoroughly shat on alpha, how do we stay true to our personality while growing? I mean, what if I am kind of a little bit of a shy guy or a little bit quiet or I don't necessarily go after what I want? How do I improve in that area without becoming a gorilla douchebag? Well, the thing is, there's nothing wrong with being shy or quiet. There's people that dig that. So you can do things that get you noticed that don't mean that you need to march into a room and throw your arms up in the air and say, hey, everybody, look at me. The attention-seeking behavior that gets people the ego validation. Yeah. I mean, for me, I actually am an extrovert. I think one of the reasons why I was bullied in junior high school was because I was pretty weird. I had quite an adult sense of humor that on your typical seventh grade, eighth grade kid was like, wow, you're just strange. Get away from me. So uh, for me, what I ended up doing was because I wasn't very popular growing up, I spent a lot of time daydreaming and telling myself stories and things like that. I actually was able to turn that into a writing career because when I write about fitness, it's not just do this, lift this weight, do this training regimen, eat this food. I wrap it into an entertaining story that captures people. And uh, so I took a skill that I had and worked at it and was able to turn it into a career. And a lot of it involved self-reflection and figuring out, you know, what makes me happy and what do I want to do with my life? The thing that I seemed to be best at was writing, and I actually really enjoyed doing it. And while I hated doing these multiple choice exams and having to do math formulas, if I got an essay question for the final exam, it's like, oh, yeah, this is a piece of cake because I can sort those thoughts out and write these essay questions. And that was where I really excelled. And then it worked really well in my career. I got an MBA. I worked in sales and marketing for a dozen years, and I found that my ability to communicate effectively via the written word really helped my career a lot. And and that was what started to get me thinking about, you know, I can actually take this writing skill and turn it into a job that I'm super passionate about. So how do guys who are not necessarily there yet come up with this? Because a lot of guys are sitting here going, great, well, I know that I'm not getting the results that I want. I know that I am shy and quiet. I don't necessarily want to change that. How do you start facing our fears and achieve our goals? Because it's really easy to go, face your fears. And it's really hard to go out there and actually face fears. (laughs) Well, I think the thing about, you know, I talked about earlier about wanting to face my fears about public speaking. And part of that was because it seemed to me that being able to speak effectively and confidently in public is a valuable skill that I should have. It just felt like this is something that I should be able to do. And I didn't shy away from it. If it was something that gave me an absolute panic attack that, you know, sent me to the psych ward, I may have revisited that. But I wasn't horrible my first time out. I saw that there was room for improvement and I saw that there was something that I could get better at. And rationally, I knew that it was a valuable skill that I could make money at maybe one day, that it didn't matter what my career position was. If I was in some type of boardroom meeting and I needed to speak up in front of, you know, a bunch of senior VPs to make my point. Being a good public speaker was going to help with that. So it's you need to look at where you think you might like to go with your life. Identify what the the more important skills are towards achieving those goals. And then look at the ones that you think you can excel at and work on those via self-reflection, self-study, as well as potentially, you know, more formal type of education, break a big project down into little projects. That's how everything gets done. Every pyramid or bridge that was built or house that was put together, everything starts with a plan and working from the ground floor and building up. Baby steps is what's going to get you there. 
you're not going to turn into an amazing public speaker or an amazing writer or engineer or scientist or doctor overnight. It's a lot of little steps that take years. Going through what we teach at AOC, for example, is a ton of baby steps over a longer period of time. And my own transformation is still is a lot of baby steps over a longer period of time. It's, it's doing everything intentionally instead of just sort of floating through it. Those baby steps add up to miles after before you know it, really. One of the drills that I give guys is come up with a list of a lot of things that scare you that you admire maybe in other people and then learn how to do those things, whether it's pitch a softball or public speak or skydive or base jump, whatever it is you think looks terrifying but kind of cool, go out there and learn how to do it. The thing is you also want to go with stuff that you feel some type of passion for, maybe not right away. I mean, I was quite overweight 20 years ago. And I decided I'd never been an athlete my entire life. First 25 years of my life, just completely uncoordinated and didn't like physical activity whatsoever. And by the time I was 25 years old, I had gotten to be pretty fat. I was, I think I had a 29 BMI. So I was pushing being obese. So I decided, well, I'm going to give this whole fitness thing a try. And I'd started off on just doing stair climbers at the gym because I just figured, oh, well, you know, I'll do this stair climber thing and I'll burn the fat off. And I absolutely hated that. It made my back hurt and all that kind of stuff. And it was boring. One day uh, I was talking to one of the trainers in the gym and he said, so how did your workout go? And I'm like, oh, it was awful. <laughs> he said, well, why do it? Why don't you like try weightlifting? And it had never even occurred to me that weightlifting would be something that I would do. I thought, okay. And he gave me some pointers and he showed me what to do. And I realized, you know, after that first session that, you know, this doesn't suck. I actually don't hate this. And it wasn't that I approached it from the perspective of, I got to be buff. People weren't talking about alpha male stuff back then or anything. And I wasn't even thinking about muscles. I was just thinking about not being fat. And I ended up getting really into weightlifting because it was just, it was cool. I liked it and it was fun. And eventually, many years later, it became one aspect of my career and I'm still doing it 20 years later. Excellent. Sounds like you capitalized a little bit on maybe some innate talents or you developed some talents that you might not have known about before. How can other guys find out what their innate talents are and how they can capitalize on those? It's one of those things where you certainly need to keep an open mind and just spend a lot of time by yourself without any type of distraction. Usually not a problem for a lot of guys in this situation. <laughs> a lot of time by yourself. Got it. Okay. Oh, no distraction. All right. I'll turn the Xbox off. <laughs> done and done. Turn off the TV and the radio and the, um, the iPhone and all of that kind of stuff. If you're a young guy and you're figuring out what it is that you want to do, then it's not about daydreaming and imagining having achieved something. This is actually something that I gave a, uh, wrote an article about a little while ago about how exercise can enhance creativity. So this is a good bit of advice. Let's talk about that article because it is found that if you are exercising outdoors by yourself, that it enhances creativity way better than if you were like on a treadmill down in your basement. And they actually have a number of tests that they put this researcher that I talked to said that they do these creativity tests and they measured it scientifically that there was a 50% boost. And the reason why is it, it creates this thing called soft fascination, where it just gets your brain going in this creative flow type of mode, but you can't allow yourself to be distracted. Music, listening to music is okay, but constantly checking your iPhone in for your Facebook pings and email and stuff like that. You want to leave the phone at home and you want to get out into the wilderness or something and go for a walk, go for a run, go for a bike ride, whatever. Half of my book was written in my head in the saddle of a bike. And it's because some of my best ideas come to me while I'm out riding my bike, as well as a lot of my writing career has been planned out and strategized while either running or cycling. But there's an important addendum to this that I need to let the listeners know about, which you need to use this time in a valuable manner so that you're actually strategizing, a key word there, strategizing, while you're outside getting this type of physical activity and not daydreaming. And the difference here is that daydreaming is, say, imagine that you want to be this millionaire because you've launched a successful company and it made you a whole bunch of money and you're successful and you have you know, a big house, fancy car, hot wife, and millions of dollars in the bank. 
you don't want to spend that time imagining how awesome it's going to be to have all of that stuff. And the reason why is that it actually increases the likelihood that you won't ever get any of that stuff. That's interesting. I've heard that before. Do you know why that is? Because that's super weird. And it's a removal of stress. Because when you imagine that you've got it, it feels like you've got it. Therefore, why do you need to try? So you get those happy, feel-good feelings because you daydreamed about it. You get that happy sensation of, oh, I'm a millionaire with a hot wife and a Ferrari and all that kind of stuff. And it removes that good bit of ambitious stress that pushes you towards striving for it. Ah, uh, you're dreaming about eating the, the watermelon. Now you're not hungry anymore. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. So instead of spending that time daydreaming about how awesome it's going to be when you achieve it, spend the time strategizing how you're going to do it, laying out the path, figuring out the steps. Once you get back, you've got your action plan and you know how to follow through. Enjoy the rest of the show. You know, it's funny because that's contrary to a lot of advice out there that I also argue against, which is like law of attraction bullshit. Visualize your success, have your little vision board and stuff like that. And that stuff's cool. Vision boards are fine if what you do is you look at that and you go, oh, right, motivation, charge, and you're charging towards it. It's not good if you're spending those two hours in a day outside on your front lawn looking at the sky going, ah, I'm imagining flying in my plane. Oh, I've got a lot of work to do. No, nah, let's just keep daydreaming about that. And there's plenty of room for things like that, but I think you're right. A lot of it is a law of attraction bullshit, and it's like those guys wake up one day and go, where's the Ferrari I've been trying to manifest in my driveway? Then somebody drives by in a Ferrari who's been busting their ass for all the time they've spent visualizing. The thing <laughs> is that it's okay to have long-term goals, and figure out where you want to be. You know, it's one of those MBA-isms that if you don't know where you're going, all roads lead there. I have long-term goals that I'm working on achieving. I mean, when I decided to write a very ambitious weight loss book that was super science heavy, I had to know what the end result was going to be. So I figured that out first, and then I stopped dwelling on it and laid out the process, and, and I lived the process to make it happen. Same thing with physique goals, same thing, you know, one goal was, qualify for the Boston Marathon for running a sub 325 marathon for my age group. That was the goal. I wasn't imagining what it was going to be like when it happened. I was thinking today I need to run 10 miles in such and such a pace. Yeah, exactly. Setting up the strategy for that baby step. What about if we find ourselves charging ahead? Because I'm the same, at least I used to be a ready, fire, aim kind of guy because I would always be taking action, which by the way, I recommend. If you have to choose between the type of person that takes action without necessarily strategizing everything first or strategizing and never taking action. I always choose action, but uh, there is a balance to be had. What about guys like me who start off doing one thing for years and then go, you know what? I don't want to be a Wall Street attorney anymore. I want to start this and then do that and then go, actually, this should be more like this other business that ha doesn't exist yet. And that's where we are now. How do you go about reevaluating your long-term goals and deciding whether or not, one, if they're achievable, and two, going in the right direction? Because it's one thing to say commit, but there's also a such thing as committing to something that really isn't right for you anymore and you finding out sort of midway through the process that you need to pivot and change directions. You need to listen to other people and figure out, you know, when someone with a lot of experience and a lot of success is telling you that you're making a big mistake and you hear it from more than one person, then you need to step back and think maybe they're right and investigate that. And that's happened to me twice. And I took that advice to my advantage. One was I was working as a marketing executive, making lots of money and thinking, oh, you know, this is okay. I don't mind this. I'm not super passionate about it. I really like writing. I want to be a writer. And I, what my favorite type of writing is, is science fiction. And so I started writing science fiction and I was, you know, pretty mediocre at it. This was about nine years ago. I took a, a week-long writing course where I went out to the Banff Center with a, a mega best-selling science fiction author, very successful. His name's Rob Sawyer. And he's also not just a great science fiction writer, but he's a very astute businessman. He knows a lot about the business of science fiction, and it's why he's been so successful. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about the business side of it 
and what the odds were of actually being able to make a living as a full-time novelist. And I came away from that. I learned a lot about how to improve my prose and my writing, but I also came away from that realizing I am never going to be able to make it as a science fiction writer. Like I might get published, but I can't make a living at it. And my number one goal was to make a living. And I started thinking about, well, what are my other options? What else can I do here? And I thought, well, I've always bitched about how full of crap the fitness industry is and the weight loss industry is. And I know more about that than I do know about which episode of Star Trek Kirk banged that green check in. It started getting me thinking, there's way more money to be made in fitness writing than there is in being a novelist because you got articles and you've got public speaking and the opportunities just seem to start falling out of the sky. And it still was a number of years before I ended up pursuing it. But when I did, it worked out really well because I decided to take a different approach. But even when I started, I did it wrong. Uh, I'd come up with this idea. Everybody was doing body for life back around the, the turn of the millennium. Right. I do. Rem- I remember like old people in the gym were all about that. And I had these buddies that were doing the body for life program. And I was in way better shape than them. I was stronger, more muscular, more ripped, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, what's your secret? And I just joked. I said, I'm on the body for wife program. And they laughed. And my buddy said, you should write a book called that. And I said, you're right. I should. And I went and I bought bodyforwife.com later that day. And it was a few years before I did anything with it. But when I started out, I decided that I was going to write this book called Body for Wife, The Family Guy's Guide to Getting in Shape. And I wrote like three quarters of the book. And then I went looking for an agent and I had no platform or anything like that. I'd never been published anywhere. And these agents are saying two things. One is, what's your platform? Like, who has ever heard of you? Why should we listen to you? And also, middle-aged guys don't care about weight loss. It's just, it's not a market that is worth trying to tap into. And I'm like, no, it's you can't be right. It's, I've written three quarters of this book. <laughs> and then I started doing some more investigation and realized yeah, actually, these guys are right. Middle-aged guys are not a good market to try and reach out to. There'd been one book published called Buff Dad, which I don't think was sold anything at all. And and so I decided, yes, the real market is actually middle-aged women. They don't buy one weight loss book, they buy 20. So I started writing for women more and more. And Body for Wife, instead of being an actual how-to for husbands just became, that's just my brand. I'm just this guy that wants to look really good for his wife, which is true. I mean, I got in shape before I proposed to my wife. So that increased the likelihood of her saying yes, but, uh, that just sort of became a personal brand. And I did a major overhaul and a major shift where I started writing a lot more for women. And now I mostly, I write for both. I write for a lot of different people, but there's a lot of young men that follow me with the six pack abs stuff but I've got a, as well as on Ask Men, but my Chicago Tribune and my LA Times stuff and my Time Magazine stuff is mostly women. And actually, we do have a lot of women following the six-pack abs stuff as well. But it was an important distinction to realize for me that I had to be flexible and go where the market had the demand. One of the things that sticks with me now that I tell other people when they're trying to figure out what to do with their career is I used to work for a a technology company incubator where we would advise entrepreneurs with these tech products as to how to grow their business. And one of the questions we would ask is, what bleeding from the neck problem do you solve? And what that means is, do you have product that people desperately need to buy? And in my particular case, well, there was a lot of overweight women that didn't like the fact that they were overweight that was the bleeding from the neck problem that I was going to go out there and solve. Yeah, there's a lot of overweight guys, but they don't care nearly as much. So as far as they were concerned, it wasn't a problem. You're constantly bouncing things off of people who've spoken from experience. It's kind of something I'm seeing here because there's a lot of advice out there, especially for entrepreneurs, and a lot of it comes from people who don't know what the hell they're talking about at all. And I think it can be really discouraging. Like, I, I don't talk about weight loss. I have experts on the show because I, you know, I'm not really rocking in that department. And it's not my bag. And I'm sure you hear this too, being a fitness writer where everybody, quote unquote, is an expert and thinks they know what they're talking about, including the guy who lifts weights and does bench press only in his garage every day. Those guys all know how to get strong and how to lose weight and how to do that. 
And it's funny because, you know, if we teach guys confidence and especially if guys are asking about dating advice, we get advice from everyone from your sister who may or may not be aware that her advice is not necessarily from experience or from guys who are like, oh, I'm 40 and I've been divorced three times. I know how to talk to women. And you're thinking, uh, I'm not so sure I want to listen to you. But there's a lot of people that will speak from non-experience or from theories or from things that they want to sell you especially. And it can be really tough. If somebody doesn't have the lifestyle you want, don't take lifestyle advice from them. If they don't have the body that you want, uh, it can be tough to take fitness advice from them unless they're training a lot of clients, of course, and getting those people their results. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that talk about, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this. And then when it gets down, you know, I might go, wow, this guy's really interesting. I want to talk to them on the phone. So I'll take a look at their business and chat with them on the phone and find out they read all that stuff, but they really haven't really built anything themselves. And that's an immediate disqualification from coming on our show. I only want people who speak from experience. I'm in an entrepreneur group called EO, Entrepreneur Organization. There are rules in our forum meetings and our our clubs where we discuss business problems, you are just not allowed to not speak from experience. If you speak and it's not from experience, the moderator will be like, whoa, you know, knock it off. And, you know, sometimes that's a gray area because it's hard to tell what people have experienced, but people will quiz you. How did you handle this problem? And if you go, oh, well, we never really had it, your job then is to shut the hell up and not talk anymore. You're absolutely right. I mean, right information is right information, but but in the vast majority of cases, it's going to come through a combination of education and experience. And I mean, for me, with my writing career, it, it is as a freelancer, I am an entrepreneur and there's been a lot of sales and marketing and success and failure and, and that type of stuff. The thing with the, um, the science fiction writer, he was able to tell me from experience what it actually took for him to be successful and make a living at it. And a hell of a lot it had to do with luck and right place and right time but also the fact that he was a way better writer than I am. But on the um, the side of things with body for wife being bad messaging uh, or, or a bad target market for me was uh, talking to agents who had sold dozens upon dozens of books to publishers and they knew what publishers were buying and they knew what they weren't buying. So for me, it was like, yeah, this is advice that I need to listen to, even though I didn't want to hear it. I can't tell you how bad I didn't want to hear that information, but what I didn't want to happen even more was not be successful. <laughs> I was able to suck it up and say, son of a bitch, I got to go back to the drawing board. And that is a valuable skill to have, to be able to, to start again and reevaluate based on new information and a changing landscape. Excellent. So guys, a lot of good advice here. Is there anything you want to leave us with that we haven't touched upon? There's two quotes that have really resonated with me in my life that have helped sculpt me into the person I am today. One was actually by folk singer Joan Baez, who said, action is the antidote to despair. And I've had my moments of despair in my life when I was overweight and drinking too much and deeply in debt and flunking out of school. And just knowing that that one baby step in the right direction was actually taking me in the right direction made me feel so much better. Even though I still had all those problems, I was now working on solving them and I knew eventually that they were going to be alleviated because I was on the proper path. So that one has been really important to me and I've gone back to that action as the antidote to despair a number of times. Anytime life throws me a curve, I remember that one and it prompts me to action instead of the, the fetal position. Nice. <laughs> and the other one is one that my mom said, an amazing human being who absolutely dominated in a male-dominated industry, made a fortune, broke through glass ceilings, all that kind of stuff. She told me, fake it till you make it. Not to be taken completely literally. You know, you can't go in with no med school education and start doing brain surgery. There has to be a basis of competence there. But it's about taking a certain amount of risks and really believing in yourself. Like if you know 80% of something, you can have the confidence to go out there and fake the other 20% and blow people away. Because the reality is a lot of people that are out there are doing amazing things are pushing themselves right to the limit and crapping their pants with fear that they're going to screw something up. You know, those are the ones that achieve amazing things. Like when I, my first column with the Los Angeles Times came as a result of a cold call. 
I cold called the health editor there and said, my name is James Fell and I'm the most entertaining fitness writer you will ever find. And then there was this awkward pause. And then I said, and I can prove it. And then there was another awkward pause. And then she said, okay, prove it. And we ended up having a conversation. And then I sent her an email with some samples to my work. And she was impressed. And it led to a column that really launched my career. But I was crossing my fingers and crapping myself during that phone call. It was taking a big risk. And it was putting myself out there. But I was able to pull it off. So yeah, fake it till you make it's another one. Not totally fake, but just have the confidence to realize that if you think you probably can do something with a lot of hard work, there's a good chance that you can. Thanks so much. And guys can find you at sixpackabs.com or bodyforwife.com. We're going to link that up in the show notes as well. Thanks so much, James. Thanks, Jordan. Take care. Excellent episode. I love cutting through that whole alpha male bullcrap because it's really toxic to guys. We already have enough trouble figuring out what is masculine, what it means to be a man without all these toxic thoughts about alphaness and all this other crap coming into play. I also liked our discussion about how to stay true to your own personality, how to face fears and achieve goals, actually building confidence by doing that and building self-trust, and of course, when to listen to other people and when to ignore them when it comes to our long-term goals and ambitions. More from James at sixpackabs.com, yes, really. And he's also got his site, Body for Wife. Dot com, but I think his blog, which might have more juicy nuggets, is over at sixpackabs.com. Solid show as usual, if I do say so myself. Show feedback and guest suggestions. We rely on you guys to help keep our finger on the pulse. So if you know someone who's a good fit for the show, let us know at jordanh at theartofcharm.com. Bootcamp details, that's our live training at theartofcharm.com. And that's also where you can find links to us on Twitter, Facebook, and other social media. If you're listening to this but you're not subscribed in iTunes or Stitcher, then that needs to change. Getting our shows delivered free to your phone or computer is the best way to make sure you don't miss anything. You can do that by going to iTunes and searching for The Art of Charm Podcast or by going to theartofcharm.com slash iTunes and clicking subscribe. That's it. You guys can also help us. If you subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher, give us a five-star rating and write something nice. We'll love you forever. Just go to iTunes.com slash theartofcharm and it'll take you right there. When you write us a review, it not only makes us feel proud, but it helps keep us in the ranks so that other people who can use this information can find the show more easily and get the credible advice that they need. It's also the best way to support the show other than purchasing training from us. So tell your friends, because the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to someone else, either in person or shared on the web. So have a great week, go out there and get social, and leave everything better than you found it. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.